Listening to the Food Talk Show. Hi there, my name is Sue Nelson, and for the next half hour or so, we're going to be talking all things food and drink. I'm joined by my fellow presenter, Ollie Lloyd of Great British Chefs. Hi there, Ollie. Hey, Sue, how's it going? Good. You and I have just nipped out for lunch, haven't we? We have. I'm a bit naughty because the the studio's here. Two doors down is um, Dishoon. Yeah, which is an amazing Indian <laughs> restaurant. Tries to bring to life the Persian cafes mm. of Bombay. And uh, I always order the same thing, and you always order the same thing, and it's the same thing for both of us, which is the black lentil dal. Yeah. With I a, reckon there must with be a Romali roti for me. Half a pound of butter in there. No, no, it's all healthy. Is it's, it, it's, a veg is it? for, it's a veg first meal. Is it? Yeah, but there's loads of butter in there, I'm sure. Yeah. Or, and cream as well, probably. Yes, but if you're happy, it's okay. Oh, I'm very happy after that. <laughs> Um, I might smell a bit, but I'm, <laughs> I'm very happy. You smell fine. It's yeah. radio. Yeah, but we both had the same thing, so we're not going to be able to. We're not going to, be able to smell it. Always oh, stink the studio out. Um, we're also joined by Holly Shackleton, of, uh, who's the editor of Speciality Food Magazine. You just had a toasty sandwich. You missed out on that. I did, but as you know, Sue, we're going to dishoom later. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. thanks for revealing that so... I'm having two dishooms in a day. <laughs> Don't have to have the same thing. No, but, I, think I will probably have. To. But I'll be having it anyway, so you can share. Yeah, you've been before. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I have. Do you, are you a black doll? I am a yeah. black doll. Fan? I love it. Mm. Just anything to shoom. I'm very excited. Are you? There was yeah. someone also drinking a Negroni at the bar. I, I know you're, you're part yeah, of that well, kind of thing. So there's, so when there's, we finish there's a recording, I might, I might get Shackleton here to, um, to buy me a Negroni and I'll buy her dinner. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. Um, can you talk to me about marginal veg? What is that? No, I, uh, so, yeah, so I was talking a bit earlier about, um, I suppose, the, the diets of the UK. And one of the things we've been looking at recently is how the food cupboards of the UK are diversifying. And there's a link to this in the fact that some of the guests we have on. But actually, what's really interesting is that there are a lot of veg that, you know, foodies might consider quite mainstream, like asparagus, that so many people don't eat. Like only 15% of the UK claim to eat asparagus regularly. You have to be joking. I'm so excited every year when it gets around to May and June. It's like, yeah, I can have asparagus. I eat it nearly every day for six weeks and then... And I think it was a really British thing. And and it's, it's, it's one of those... I agree. It's one of those things that's really seasonal, mm. but actually only 15% of the UK eat it that. regularly. I, I, it was, for me, that was a really depressing piece of data because mm. it's actually one of, well, it's a real highlight of the year for me. It's like it asparagus is, season. Right. And, oh, and yeah, the British stuff's it. arrived. Exactly. Yeah. So marginal veg, by that you mean the stuff that people aren't eating Beyond the potatoes, regularly. the tomatoes, yeah. the carrots. It's not on their normal shopper each yeah. week. It's something that they might have occasionally or in a restaurant or something. Yeah, and it's, it's you know, again, it's about diversification of diets and it's about the movement towards more of a veg-first plan from an eating perspective. And there's some quite interesting stuff, I think, around you know, trying to inspire people to be more comfortable with veg. So we're sort of starting to do more work about understanding what people are comfortable with and how you make people more comfortable with understanding that the answer mm. is not to boil. <laughs> Definitely not boil the life out of it. I remember my uh, uh, my mother-in-law, she just used to put vegetables on for like an hour. That was mm. horrible. But, you know, there's the, I remember <laughs> sitting with... Um, no, I was old-fashioned, like... No, but, you know, I had a really interesting conversation with a man called Pietro Lehman, who was the first... Uh, chef in Europe to win a Michelin star for a vegetarian restaurant in Italy. And he said when he was trained, he was taught to boil asparagus for 25 minutes. 
Now, this is a man who was not exactly trained in a bad like, place. It goes all like sloppy. Yeah. It's horrible. Most of the stuff is 90% water. So. Yeah. 110% water. Well, off yeah, on that. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, we've got Steve Kens on of uh, Causton Press, which is why you're talking about um, marginal veg. And we've also got Kevin Shrithevan. I'm so used to to surnames. I'm sorry, Kevin. Uh, Of uh, fruit, um, which is spelt F-R-U-T. Steve, uh, marginal veg. Do you you use what uh, Ollie would describe as marginal, like rhubarb, I'm saying, is probably one of them, do you think, and stuff like that? Uh, And beetroot. Oh, I love beetroot. For some, I imagine that's pretty marginal. There's Mm. not that many of us that would eat it regularly. So, yeah, a little bit, a little bit, although it's mainly fruit that we... Focus on mainstream, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you've, if you kind of go back to juice, Mm -hmm. where it used to be, it was orange and apple, yes, and you know, you tomato, possibly tomato. We're not going back into the that's not virgin berries and bloody marys, but now, but there's, there's, you know, you've, you've taken us beyond the world of orange and apple, yes, yeah, indeed. We, we, we got what we believe is a really interesting range of, of soft drinks now, as well as just the pressed juices, which are including. Ginger, rhubarb, elderflower, lemons, as, uh, as well as apple. We have tried some some veg drinks in the past, um, ready to drink veg, um, but I think we were a little bit early to the market with those because at the time people were still blitzing their own, and, and it was all about the green juices um, at home or, or, or sort of cold press, r- freshly made, and I don't think people were quite ready for the already made, ready to drink mm. veg juice. And, you know, the, the, their time will come, I'm sure. Mm. Uh, we've, we've tried it. We've done a few things, certainly with carrot, with cucumber, with even lettuce in one of the drinks. Um, but it's not where we focus now, but it, it may well come back. You know, it's one of those things that we'll continue to look at and work on. And and if there's the time and place is right, who knows? So, so I'm just going to do a little bit of recap. Um, Causton Press seems incredibly visually familiar to me, and I'm sure it is to most people who are listening. Um, you've been around for 30 years um, and started with the apple, really, the humble apple. Was yes. That right, yeah. yeah. Um, and you have got award-winning drinks, uh, as we all know. And I think one of the things that you're trying to do is, is, is conjure up that nostalgic taste of summer past you know, when you look back and you think, God, that was a lovely... I mean, you just kid yourself, really, probably. But you look back and you think, oh, do you remember those lazy days and the, the you know, the grass? Absolutely. I can smell the grass and I'm sitting having a picnic. Right. Or, and that's that's what I think you're trying to evoke quite a lot, aren't you? And this sort of calm... Spot on, yeah. And, of, and, and the ingredients lend themselves to that British kitchen garden type flavours and some experimental flavours as well. But, yeah, really building on that on that... Yeah. Nostalgic charm and the not, but not in an old-fashioned way. No, not, no. Not in a, it seems like in quite a modern way. Um, and uh, you never have any nasties in yours. You're not, you're not interested in all that stuff. And most of the cans come in at under sort of ninety calories um, since you've sort of removed sugar and mm-hmm. heading towards that time. And they're always produced from pressing, and you never use concentrate. Absolutely. Right. I'm doing your job yeah. for you here, Steve. Uh, you, you're doing a, a fantastic <laughs> job for me, thanks. Uh, in exchange, I'm going to taste some in a minute, so that's uh, good on you. Good on but, you. But but 30 years on, you're now a multi-million pound business. You've you're you've got 16 different products. I presume you're in every pretty much every major supermarket in the country, and 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 it's just grown and grown for, from for 30 years, really. Yeah, the 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 real 
step changes in the, in the, in the business f- for me came with the introduction of what we call our fruit waters, the sort of picnic box cartons, lunchbox cartons, um, and the sparkling range, which have been on the market now for four or five years, uh, those two. And that's where it's really, uh, and the change of branding from Corston Vale, as we were originally, to Corston Press, putting the new brand design around that. And it's re- yeah, it's really been the last five years or so, I'd say, where the brand has really started to lift and, and to find itself in, in all those wonderful places that, well, not find itself, <laughs> we've got it to oh, those but, places yeah, that yeah. You, you've, uh, you've described. So you're really pleased with, um, with the feedback we're getting, the number of people that recognise the brand. You know, I, I try to get out and get on the stand at trade shows and, and everywhere that I possibly can. And even in the three years I've been with the business, the change from, oh, that looks interesting, can I have a taste? Not heard of you, but I, I like the look of what you're doing, to now, so that's three years ago, to now, everyone walking past mm. says, love it, you know, really enjoy the brand, we stock it, love it, you know, I'll try some more, I'll try a different flavour. But there is a real connection and a real understanding of the brand and what we're doing. Mm. It's, it's H- remarkable. Hushing, we were talking last last week or so about the idea that <laughs> There, were, there was a difficulty in the speciality world where there are certain brands that need to be stocked in independent stores but then struggle to leap into the supermarkets. Mm. Corson's a good example, is it not, of one where you've got good distribution in the independent sector but you're also stocked in the retail world, which is kind of in some ways the holy grail for mm. these kind of cause-led brands. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean, you do see it a lot, don't you, in delis and farm shops? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean... I. My opinion is because it stayed true to to what it does, and it's a very simple message, very simple, good quality products. Um, so there's no reason why it has to be either or. But my, my, my background is in is is in sort of branding and marketing, Steve, and I don't understand. I don't know why you've done it by luck or whatever, but I don't understand how you've managed to get such affection is the word actually, such affection for for Corston Press. I mean, it's very very recognisable, which is damn hard to achieve anyway mm-hmm. but actually if you've got a local deli and Corsa's in there it's like well that feels okay do you yeah. know what I mean it's not like there's 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 a brand that's wandered in there and, it, and it's mainstream and it shouldn't um and 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 yet when it's a supermarket it's like oh great that's in there because it's because it's one of the you know it's one of the smaller independent things and 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 you've managed to get both of those ends and get an amazing amount of loyalty. Well, I don't know how you've done it. Can you tell me? <laughs> it's really, really difficult to achieve that. I, I wish we could can it. Um, there's just I, affection for yeah, it. Yeah, I think I think it is a combination. There's there's the key things that we work to are that message of real natural ingredients. Number one. Secondly, from that, which is absolutely paramount in the soft drink, uh, is taste. You know, from great quality real ingredients comes great taste especially when blended as as well as as we do and then the third thing which brings that to life is how it's packaged and how it looks um and although the the, the packaging has won awards it's it, it it's lovely we, we really think we've captured that nostalgia and the charm of the brand with the way it's packaged and the way we design it's slightly humorous as well yeah but it, in a you, way but i don't know i can't tell you how without being silly because yeah, like some yeah, of those yeah. ones have a bit cartoony yeah it's, it's not that. <clears throat> but i think your taste points are really important because you know we we do a lot of tasting on this show and we you know we tried lots of drinks. It's the only reason why we do it to be honest <laughs> <laughs> Where, where's that black doll again um you know actually <laughs> often you you taste these drinks and they are they're they are very fake 
you know, in the sense that there's a lot of kind of, you know... Is that the sparkly thing you mean? Particularly? Yeah, you yeah. You, know, you get a lot of the sort of heavy fake sugars and, and mm. they just don't taste very good. But you you have been very true to taste and I think it's... It, you know, that's that's why people buy the food. Well, it's, the, it's the number one choice, yeah? And if it doesn't taste great, people won't come back and they won't drink it again. They won't try new flavours. You kind of get left on the shelf then and, and it doesn't work for anyone. You can have the most beautiful packaging in the world... And if you pick something up and it doesn't taste good, what's the chances of, of going back and buying it again? But you can have something that tastes great and the packaging's dreadful and well, nobody will pick it up in the first place. Ex- exactly. So that, this is both right. the, the packaging for us has been our marketing campaign. Mm. And then what we put in the drink has been our loyalty builder, right? This There is a great combination of the two things together. And we do we, we work really hard on our our copy and our language and our tone of voice. And that's something that in the last year we've done even more work to craft and to make sure is absolutely right. Because if you were to go to marketing school, there's too much text on the front of our cans, according to the conventional wisdom. But we think it really, well, we don't just think, we know it really works. So we're telling that story, but not in a, a convoluted way, in a really nice, but, charming but way. But to be pretty rude here, because I'm, I'm good at that really, it, it looks slightly amateur. And that for me is is the clever thing, is it isn't, because every single bit of that has been worked out and thought through. Mm-hmm. But because it looks slightly amateur or slightly um, informal and, and with a tiny bit of humour, um, that's, for me, possibly why people have such affection for it. Yeah. Because because you think it's, it's you know, some old farmer down the road, I don't know, squeezing apples. And, but, <coughs> well, that, but there's also... A bit like Sillet Bang. You, 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 you know, they you, tried to manufacture that with Sillet Bang, you know, an old whatever his name was... You know the guy who who, who used to do the adverts. Barry something. Barry, that's it. Oh, Barry. Barry. (laughs) And what they were trying. Barry Scott. Scott. That's the one. So so in a way, he was. They were trying to falsely, which was a bit silly, just make you feel like it was something he invented in his back room, and 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 won't be lucky that he you can now buy it. Yeah, and if you if you were to see where we work, it it looks like that stencil press, letter press Mm. print. You know, we're in a part of Bermondsey where, and this is not contrived it's all been put together in the way that we want our office to live the brand we want the can to live the brand we want our people to live the brand the tone of voice all to and because it works and it's consistent and it comes together on so many different levels i think then that authenticity comes to life even more because we're not being inconsistent anywhere we're not being untrue to our our brand, our product, our beliefs, our values, anywhere. I mean, you're a brand specialist, Ollie, and, and loads of people could say exactly what Steve's saying as managing director of, of Corston Press and, and know all those things, but still wouldn't necessarily manage to put it together and then the public have an affection for it. It's really difficult. But it's, it, there's also, in some ways, there is a heritage in this category that there was Innocent. Mm-hmm. And Innocent is a brand that... Did a great job on the kind of on the love area. It's a drink. It you know has all that, and that is and then it's taken over by a very 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 large corporation. And we don't like it now. And therefore, it kind of goes somewhere else. And actually, there is there is definitely in this space a massive category for independent challenger brands that stand for something. Mm-hmm. And I think you're in this weird space that you're you've got these massive corporations above you, and you've got lots of little guys below you. Um, but you sit in this nice middle space where you're kind of you've got the distribution and you've got the story and the heritage, and you're available. So you you kind of tick all the boxes, which is 
great place to be. Well, no, what I find interesting about that is the people I speak to, half of them think we're owned by <laughs> one of those big corporations. Really? Um, when we're an independent British company, a small, medium-sized enterprise, some people think we're owned by them because of the distribution we've got, mm-hmm. because of the, the stories the that we've, we've told, yeah. the reach. And other people believe we're much smaller than we are. Um, now, it's changing. It's changing more to the the former rather than the latter, where more and more people are saying, we've seen, you've, we've seen you in so many places now, you must be part of a, a bigger organisation. Are you sure you're not just a bolt-on business to a, one, one of the mm-hmm. big guys? And I'm really proud of that because we're now, we've actually got a really interesting period that we've come into where we, we were, we think, a big, small business. And we're now stepping into the shoes of a, a small, big, small big, big business. And we've got we've got to do some interesting things to continue to, to, some real to intrigue and, and tell yeah. a story. We've got to get the, the story and the narrative out to people and to tell them more about what we're all about as a brand. Because so far, it has been the product and the drinks that have done all of our marketing for us. We now mm. need to start telling more and more people and outside of London as well about what we're doing and and at your point about seeing the product in in a deli it doesn't look out of place versus a supermarket it doesn't look out of place either in fact it's very attractive to people in that environment i went up to the to the northeast recently to see my in-laws and walked into sainsbury's where i can buy the product and just opposite sainsbury's is a really lovely all ingredients um deli slash whole foods type um store and there was a shrine to court I could do not a shrine to Corston in the corner and I didn't expect it to be anywhere near the, the, the mother-in-law so it's clearly yeah. the reality is <laughs> yeah. your parents who were going in there going you know my 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 wife's married. My, my, my daughter's married. This guy called Steve, and he sells a few drinks. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't he's coming up? Well, this lady twisted my. She was saying, well, "What have you done with such and such a drink? And what can I do? How can I get hold of this?" And she was quizzing me, you know, about every little part of the show. She knew every product as well as I do. Wow! Because it was obviously a real interest to the people mm-hmm. around, and I didn't think we'd got that kind of coverage just yet. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was to come, and, and actually. She spoke so fondly of it, and, and lots of customers going in to buy it that it just gave me more reassurance that mm, we're we're, we're finding that way through. But that comes back to you know one of the things we've talked a lot about, which is we you know we sit in this wonderful bubble called London, and we think that London is the epicenter of all food. Oh, I live in Kent. You don't really. I, I know you actually. I you, do. I live by the seaside. I know. I don't you live, live in London. Kent is part of London. Um, <laughs> it, you know, we, we live in the south. We live in the south, right? We think yeah. everything is about the south. But the reality is, actually, foodies are based across the whole of this country. I live for twenty years in Manchester as well, if you don't mind. That's uh, well, that's also another another part of the south. Yeah. Um, but actually, you know, you, you, the fact is, foodies are across the whole country, and actually, yeah. often brands, and particularly the smaller brands, get stuck in the London thing. And I think the biggest challenge is you know, building a national brand that actually can, you know, turn over enough units in a Tesco's, you know, an hour north of, you know, Newcastle as it can, you know, in the middle of the home county. Mm-hmm. And I yep. think that's... I think you'll find that's um, Scotland. Scotland. Um, Kevin, have you, are you familiar? As a car you're, I, I'm on a bicycle. That gets me not much further than <laughs> Newcastle. Are you familiar with the brand at all? With Corston? Yeah. Yes. I mean, I've seen in the supermarkets, I... Can't say I've tasted it before, but we're just about to well, change I, that for you. Well, I have tasted it, and it and it is wonderful. I've seen some fantastic reviews on the brand as well. I mean, because of the uh, work that we're doing with the independent stores, we do see um, brands like Corsten pop up every so often. You've got your standard brands, but talking about loyalty, um, 
it is these independent stores as well, as you mentioned, that do generate that loyalty as well with mm -hmm. their user base. And when you've got a ses set of customers who come in and say, we really like this brand and we want to we buy this weekly, the stores are sort of inclined to just make sure that, that they keep their shrines, of course, in it yeah. and, and yeah. it's beneficial for them. So. Fantastic. So we've got some cans in front of us. Uh, tell us about some of the range at the moment. Um, shall I try some? We've got elderflower, lemonade, ginger beer, love ginger beer, cloudy apple, which is probably where you started from. What, what, what's your plans in terms of sort, of sort of almost categories within your category at the moment? What, what, what are you planning? Going to taste elderflower lemonade. Uh, in terms of product groups, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so we we have kind of three key pillars at the moment. One is our hundred percent pressed juice in the cartons, the sort of breakfast juices. Our, um, then we we have what are uh, fruit waters, which are the the picnic box, lunch box cartons, and then the sparkling range. And essentially, those three pillars are hundred percent pressed juice or pressed juice, then pressed juice with added spring water and then pressed juice with sparkling spring water and we're true to our background and our, our you know the, the original drinks throughout that so it's always pressed not from concentrate and and we tend to blend and, and use the same flavor profiles across each of those uh, and then we've introduced a few other things like mango in the fruit waters and in our, our pressed juices now which also are really appealing, get a little bit more of the of sweetness from that and a slightly different flavour profile, but the, the rest of them are based around a, yeah, as you've said, a, a You always feel like you know what you're going to get, even when there's a new yeah. flavour. And again, I don't, I, you, you're really puzzling me entirely. I don't <laughs> know how you know that, whereas we get a lot of people on this show, they get a really you know, good mainstream product that they, they, they develop very well and then they start brand extension and sometimes you taste it and go, well, that's nothing like the original thing that you do and it feels like a bit too much of a sideways step or a leap forward or something. Because you always feel like you know what you're getting. But you guys have always taken this. taste quite seriously. I mean, it's, it, right. I mean, as in like, you know, the whole recipe development stuff and the heritage of... Without doubt. It's, it, as I've said, it's, it's the number one reason for the choice but it's therefore our number one reason for developing what we develop and... You know, Ollie, with your background on the recipes and the and the chefmanship of, uh, around food, we we create recipes with the with the products as well. We're so confident that the, of the quality and the ingredients that we use. We think it's versatile enough to use in cooking, long drinks, mixes, cocktails, virgin cocktails, blends you, of other me, sorts. You've given me a little recipe book here. Do, do you make stuff at home, Holly? You you a bit of a cook, no? Yeah, I'm a bit of a cook. Bit of a cook, yeah. Um, well, I've got a I've got a recipe book that Steve's just given me. If you fancy, oh yeah. So, so um, Thank you. you know, there's some. Is there anything you fancy making on there? I mean, obviously, there's there's sort of cocktaily things there, isn't there? Yeah. As well as, uh, and and it and that's a big thing at the moment, cocktails. Yeah, and it's giving people the opportunity to use a well blended, well made drink and create something of their own as well. Um, so it's it's got that versatility, which we think really stands it in good stead mm. as well. So not only is it made well and tastes good in its own right, you can do even more than that with it. You know, the elderflower lemonade. Um, so so can I just ask you a question then? Steve? Yeah. I'm sorry to cut across. Sorry, no, no problem. Um, uh, the favourite drink of Ollie is Arak, which is, what is it again? I'll try not to... What is it? It's a Sri Lankan coconut. Yes, the coconut arrack. Something or other. Coconut God knows. Arak. The infamous. Well, so, yeah. Rockland. coconut arrack. And what would you recommend? What could Colston Press do with that? Putting him right on the spot. Oh, my goodness. Um, 
that would definitely be a question for 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 Mike or our master blender. See what magic he could whip up with that. But that sounds to me like it could taste beautiful with with ginger and the, the apple and ginger. Oh, bit of ginger yeah, in there, the, the coconut. What, Cut stat, which I found, I, I still find amazing, is that twenty-two percent of eighteen to seventy-four-year-olds agree with the statement: "I never drink alcohol." Mm. So I seventeen percent. Twenty-two. There's nobody. I, well, no, no. I, 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 my, I, I, I know, say I've I got a couple of hundred friends. So I, 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 I acquaintances. Have you seen? Have you seen the stats for the youngsters? The it's, eighteen oh, yeah, to twenty-five. Goes, goes up even higher. It's like nearly thirty percent. Yeah, it now. is, and, and it's. And I've had it corroborated with a number of different sources because I, when I first saw that data point, which was from a survey of ours with 3,000 people, we just, we just went, what? Yeah. And it, it actually is one of the things. I know we see a lot of people who come in here and say, hey, I've got this cool alcohol cocktail thing. I think one of the really big areas, actually, for better or worse, and, you know, Sue and I, you, you and I both enjoy the odd drink, um, is the non-alcoholic sector is massive. Definitely. Yeah. And this is a huge opportunity for you. Definitely. Uh, I've, I've been um, having my uh, children's family staying with me and and um we were we were having a sort of evening a cook some dinner and then and then one of them said to me your generation really drink a lot our our generation but what they were saying is it's part of your the way that you've grown up and your social life and it's part of the fabric of what you do in in social stuff you meet and have a glass of wine you know whatever that's not my social fabric he he drinks or whatever they you know they all drink but 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 not as much as me surprising um but but what they're trying to say is that that you know my parents generation didn't drink because they didn't have the money but everybody smoked so mm. everybody used to stand outside and smoke or, or actually indoors actually you know we used to stand. The yeah um, and and their generation was sort of th- that was tied into the fabric mm. of their social life um and and our sort of my generation is is, is alcohol um but but funny enough that doesn't seem to be. He says that's not how we weave no. the fabric of what we do, and I do think there is a gap. I think you're right because because they are looking for something that's exciting, yep. um, and and still sociable, um, well, that, a, bit, a bit more grown up. I think that, that's exactly one of one of the well the reason for our sparkling range is exactly that. Mm. Um, sat around a table in a in a bar thinking I don't want to drink this evening, but I still want to be out socializing. Yeah, and have what, a bit of fun. What, what choices do I have? We have all the regulars. You have the lime and sodas, the J2Os, the Coke and Diet Coke, and that's it. That's it. And pubs are rubbish at this time. Yeah. Awful. They're rubbish. Awful, and what, awful. And what I what I want to do is take them an offer which is much more grown up, much more discer- you know, for a discerning drinker, right, as opposed to just having to f- a fallback option. Mm. And I think they've done a fantastic job of changing the back bar. So they've got craft spirits galore. Yep. It's fantastic. The choice is wonderful. The front bar is great. You've got craft ales. You've got the whole a whole world of new yeah, beers. We've got sixteen gins. Have you got yeah. an alcoholic drink? Uh, right. So the, fri- the fridge. Be- so the fridge <laughs> behind the bus had no love at no. all. And it's not. I heard um, this is nearly over. Well, it's over a year ago now. Where. Of 250 of the leading casual dining and eating out sort of restaurant, sort of 250 of the, of the owners and, and operators of those types of stores, that over 50% of them felt like they'd got the front bar and the back bar sorted. Drinks, alcoholic drinks, they were either in line with or ahead of the market. 12% said they were either in line with or ahead of the market when it came to soft drinks. Mm. So, I, you know, I'm trying to encourage people to come to us and say, what do you think? What should we have in that? fridge behind the bar how should we make our soft drinks offering as appealing as everything else that we've got and by the way if you want to make them more interesting 
we can help you with some recipes that don't contain alcohol. Yeah, absolutely. And add value. Help, help you understand how to serve it. And if you want us to put some alcohol with them as well and have some cocktails, then we'll do that too. Come, mm. you know that. I want to encourage them to open their eyes to what else they're they're missing, because when they've improved the food offering, when they've improved the alcoholic drinks offering, the soft drinks offering still languishes behind. Them. I think it it needs help, and yeah. and it it for me when I go out and don't and don't drink because I'm driving or because for whatever reason, I default to sparkling water with lime or something it's, yeah. like, it just, it's not fun or interesting anymore Kevin you're, you're, you're I'm sitting next to you I'm afraid to say I'm probably old enough to be your mother probably thanks <laughs> not, not a the bad wrong way. thing to say <laughs> not in a bad way right in a respectful you. way yeah, yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you agree with what we've just been saying shut up Ollie <laughs> do, do you agree with that you know that the, the sort of you know the, 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 the soft drink and, and maybe the, you, your generation, if I may say, in a very I, condescending I grandmotherly way. Um, <laughs> you know, grandmother. Now. Uh, yeah. It's changed now. Got that <laughs> motherly way is what I meant to say. God. <laughs> do, do, you know, do you think that, that, that you just want some more choice? I think, I think, yeah, no, 100%. The, um, I would say, well, when I look at my immediate network, anyways, there is a constantly reducing factor when it comes to people wanting to consume alcohol. Um, I think it's just a burst of information. I think people are just much more aware about what they're putting in their bodies, especially with drinks, especially mm. with alcohol. It's it's, um, it's very, very expensive as well, of course. It is. Yeah, it is. Mm. Um, and it can be, I mean, responsibility is everything with, with, with drinking alcohol, but especially with the younger generation, with kind of the university culture that's kind of been built up over the last couple of decades um, where alcohol binging is kind of accepted um it's a rite of passage when you start which is absolutely Uh, appalling really when you think about it yeah so i think people are just getting a bit more aware about the damage that it's causing and they're saying to themselves do i really need to to do this to actually have a good time or Mm. could i just not have a great drink and just can you just find my liver here my false one that i've got on the side (laughs) (laughs) um (laughs) kevin just just tell us a little bit about what you're trying to do with um fruit uh it's a sort of social network so so you're not a a food producer uh like steve um you're trying to create a a social network that that allows people to feel empowered on, on the decisions of how they want to eat. And of course that includes alcohol, doesn't it? Yes, correct. Um, We think about trying to, when we created Fruit, essentially it was based around protecting, firstly protecting local independent stores um, in the UK predominantly and in London. Um, And then we said to ourselves, well, you know, that's great and we can put, you know, cool e-commerce product up on on the app stores, but how do we make this more appealing? How can we, you know, tap into the uh, understanding of consumers at a, at a point within the supply chain where they get hungry and they start thinking about food? And um, what do they do at that point? Well, they're speaking to their friends, they're looking at recipes, they're finding creative ways of doing so. So we kind of combine this together to try and create this ecosystem of stores and, and recipe creators, really. So so if I download your app, what, 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 what exactly can I do with it? What, what will that give me? You can I buy. It's free. Is it? Yes, it's yeah, free. Yeah, well it's done. it's free. Yeah. Um, you can you can go on there. You can have a look at the uh, different stores that we have on there. If you're within a local radius of independent stores that we have, then you can order your local groceries from there. Okay. Um, we do work with other independent brands who are selling direct to consumers and not just in independent stores as well. So that could give you an, a way to experience different brands. Um, 
across the UK and sometimes across the world. Um, but I think the unique aspect of what we do is the recipe side of things. And we've created a, a very cool algorithm which allows you to um, add your own recipes on there. Anyone can do so. So we encourage creativity in different ways um, and actually attach those ingredients to the stores that are available on our application. So you're, you're able to kind of shop. Got recipe. a bit of competition here, Ollie. <laughs> the whole world of online shopping is complicated. <laughs> yeah, but the recipe thing is interesting, isn't it? it and, and especially if you're saying you're linking the recipes with wanting to share it with people because it's really worked well and yeah. it's like, I, really, I did this, it was cheap or it's quick and it was amazing yeah. and then allowing people to share all that. But then actually um, um, guiding them as about where they can get all those, those, those ingredients. Exactly. And I think it's interesting when you mention things like the cocktails and trying to... Um, influence other people to 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 experiment in that manner um we found that a lot of brands nowadays are creating loads and loads of recipes um so this would be a fantastic way to add a, a unique marketing method to, to to a lot of the brands so mm. and, and um, i do find that uh, people especially when they're out socially do want to share what's going on of course and uh, i don't because obviously i'm old and i don't go on facebook um but I'm joking aside, um, but but that is part of what it's part of what people are doing, is it? They want to share, they want to show things, take photographs of things, and all that yeah. sort of stuff. And, and I guess what you're trying to do is is create that buzz and that connection around recipes and cooking and 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 making sure people get to share uh, good stuff I, that's going on. Yeah, I, I think it's prevalent already. I mean, nowadays you go to a restaurant and as soon as the food comes, everybody's pulling out their phone and. Taking I don't do that. Pitch. Funny enough, maybe not yourself, but I mean, you you, you, you probably <laughs> have seen people doing. So. Yeah, 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 and. Um, uh, but, it, but it's an, you know, f food on social is it, it's it's acceptable yeah. in the sense that you know the truth is if you go to a high end hotel you don't snap a photo of your hotel room or like look I'm this really posh place somehow food is actually one you know it's one of the most shared categories yeah. and, you know we Correct. know the guys at Mr Mr Smith really well and you know they've always said one of the difficulties is actually you know the, the hotel rooms and stuff isn't social it's much more. It's different. You go to a, a yeah. yeah. You go to a high end restaurant and you'll say, "Hey, look, here's this really cool food I ate." Whereas you won't do the same with a hotel as much. And it's somehow food is acceptable. Look, food porn, as it's called, yeah. you know, is massive. I mean, the numbers around Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and stuff is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And it's a social conversation we that, all like. That, that's a big reason why we looked at it. Yeah. The, the engagement around food it's, images and videos mm -hmm. is phenomenal. It, mm -hmm. it it trumps a lot of the a lot of the sort of content that's being put on these platforms. Apart from cats falling out of trees. Yeah, I mean, yeah. cats always will. Or Donald Trump walking <laughs> up a staircase with some toilet paper stuck to shoe. This kind of stuff is. Yeah. is the social gold yeah. dust. Speciality food magazine. You, you don't do much food porn. I think I, I read your magazine every no. edition. You, you, you've definitely not gone down that road. No, we don't. And I don't know whether it's because we're rather than kind of restaurants, we're more retail and brands and things potentially. Um, I could do if you'd like to see more food porn. No, than no, no. That. I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just thinking as a, as a, as you know, as a sort of concerted decision. You haven't done that at all, no, strategically, have you? No. I mean, I guess it could definitely be an avenue that we could look into. You know, how our readers could, I don't know, could utilise the trend for that, and mm. you know, if if it could help them um, get more customers in or get more customers engaged, then. It's also really difficult, and we you know we look at this stuff a lot, which is you can spend a lot of time and energy, and we say this to a lot of brands that we work with, building up your Instagram following and your mm -hmm. Facebook following mm -hmm. and your Twitter following. But the truth is you don't own those channels. Yes. Yeah. And so you could have a person working 24 hours a day 
you know, basically building your Instagram following. And it's completely possible that they will put up a wall whereby if you want to reach those people, you have to pay money. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think one has to be very careful about, you know, actually the bit that really you control is your the email addresses you have, the mm -hmm. data you have about your customers. It's not the data that other platforms have that you kind of have access to. I think it's the other dangerous. Thing me, yeah, about speciality food as well. It's, it's, it's very, very practical and it's... it's a bit like what's, what what Coulson Press is doing. It's like authentic, it's practical, and like this is how you do stuff. You know, you've got a deli. The, oh, these are some really amazing mm. new products that have come along. You know, this is this this is how you sell something. This is the latest marketing thing, and it, and it's it's a real sort of helpful guide in that respect, yeah. as opposed to saying, oh, look at this wonderful picture here. Or, yeah, or whatever. I mean, I guess instead of um, kind of promoting a lifestyle, we're mm. saying right this lifestyle this trend is popular right now here's how to make the most of it yeah, you here's know here's the relevant information here's mm. how to make it work for your business um and i don't think i don't know i tried to put pretty pictures in the in the magazine but i don't think they There's a picture of me in the other week so that, oh yeah um, yeah it's obviously not doing that properly then i <laughs> <laughs> bestseller yeah i'm sure you asked me to write about front tax. covers <laughs> Nobody, no, no, no. She'd put me right at the back somewhere, like, no, I didn't. like stuff yeah. near the adverts or something. The grandmother's section. Is <laughs> <Yes. laughs> advice from your grandmother. Advice, advice from Grandma Sue. Hmm. You said it, not me. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> you no. don't. You don't say that. You'd be dead. Um, so I'm really sorry. We've run out of time as usual. You're Just on that note, you? I'm so relieved. <laughs> yeah, we'll go on to another topic next week for sure. Um, Kevin Shrithevan, thank you so much. Thank um, you very so, much. Thank the, you. if you want to know about the app, it, uh, you need to go on Use Fruit, and Fruit is spelled F R U T, usefruit.com, and then you can uh, down, download that for free. And it, that's on iOS and Android Correct. platforms, and lots of nice step by step instruction, uh, instructions about how you do all that, nice yep. and easy to use. So, good luck with that. Thank you very much. Steve, thank you so much. I still know Nira and finding out how you've managed to do that <laughs> make that brand appeal to everybody and have great affection for it or whatever maybe it's a little bit of an ethereal bit of magic that somehow you just hit and then that's it it's, it's not just down to me by the way but I'd just make that clear <laughs> so do you want to do a quick call out for some no. of your team back there at uh, Causton Pressland there's, there's a ton of work that's been a fantastic work that's been done by everyone Micah the master blender head of taste if you like is the, is the Guru behind the drinks themselves. Helen and the, the marketing team are doing a fantastic job and tone of voice, look, and how the brand can continue to inspire and, and get people to to come in and buy it and, and drink it and taste it. Mark, one of the founder, well, one of the major shareholders has been instrumental in the brand and how it looks and continues to be a big part of what we do. So it is, it, and it's a combination of everyone coming together brilliantly some real masters of their crafts well done Steve together. that was a very good yeah. career move in my particular opinion <laughs> thank you <laughs> all under Steve's for, leadership th of thanks course. for putting me on the spot that's <laughs> <laughs> my job uh, so uh, thank you very much for everybody for listening it's been the Food Talk Show and our guests today were Holly Shackleton Speciality Food Magazine uh, Steve Cairns of Course and Press and Kevin Sridevan of The Fruit Company or Fruit as we just like to call it and uh we, as you know, are syndicated to radio stations across the UK and further afield, as well as being available on Spotify, Podbean, iTunes and the podcast app on your phone. Thank you to my fellow presenter, Ollie Lloyd of Great British Chefs. 
You well love done. it. You you just love it when somebody else is taking the mickey out of me and not you, don't you? It's great, isn't it? Mm, he's got a big smug smile on his face. Um, and if you know somebody doing something groundbreaking in the food sector, like Kevin, for example, get in touch with us via Twitter on at Food Talk Show. Or if you want to listen to any of our hundreds of podcasts, go to foodtalk.co.uk or via Great British Chefs, where we feature the podcast and we write some nice blogs about our guests. Uh, So go on there and, uh, yes, have a jolly good week. Bye.